Recorded live. Welcome to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you from deep inside the castle. It's February the 12th. Stand by. We've got a guest, and it's rogue, rogue, rogue all the way. Stay tuned. 
the 11th. <laughs> we'll be right there. Welcome to the Waterman Files. Welcome to the Waterman Files. And uh, yeah, it's actually the 11th of February. Good afternoon, everybody. Hello. Stay tuned because we have a guest today. His name is David Merlin. And we're going to talk about, well, we're just going to talk about the Rogue Boys, the guys that have gone rogue. And he's going to tell us just how bad it is. We'll be right back. Remember, you're not alone. I hope he's listening to this. We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We're at the brink. We're at the brink. We're at the brink. You are not alone. We are in this together. You are not alone. You are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. We are in this together. We are not alone. So many times, though, we think we are, don't we? We have tons of people all over the United States that are starting to get connected by other dots. Well, anyway, hopefully more people are waking up. I have a feeling that this rogue occupation of America is uh, getting more prevalent. It's getting worse. And today... Uh, Dave Merlin is on, David Merlin is on to talk about uh, that very thing. David, are you with me? Yes, I am. Can you hear me now? I can definitely hear you. Thanks for coming on today. Sure. I see the uh, members of the uh, call here, Richard in Dallas. Are you the one, Richard, that typically frequents my calls with Chris Chapman? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Good. Welcome, everybody. 
Tell us a little bit about yourself, David. I have a bad attitude. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, it's one thing to identify a rogue public servant, but it's another thing altogether to learn more and more about the law to where more and more of them are exposed as rogue. It's easy to understand that, hey, they can't beat somebody for walking up the sidewalk, can they? Of course not. That's a rogue cop. But then yeah. when you understand the uh, the boundaries of the law, the limits of their authority as provided by law, you find yourself asking all the time, excuse me, but they can't do that, can they? Can they just <laughs> violate court rules? No, it's a crime. Can they tax the value of labor? No, that's extortion. It's, in, when you it's know incredible more, what they're doing, isn't it? You know, uh, David, I, I grew up uh, with my I, – I sat on the lap of my grandfather. He happened to be a marshal. Now, chief of police in cities took over that position. But we're in, in the town, town I grew up in, it was the late 50s, and I was sitting on his lap as a little boy in the police station, and he was called chief, but he wasn't a chief of police. He was a marshal. Kind of maybe the very last of a few of the peacekeepers. He didn't carry around handcuffs. <laughs> he didn't even have handcuffs. He didn't have mace either. Well, he did carry a thirty-eight. Uh, you know, occasionally you're going to run into somebody. But he wasn't one of those kind of rogues. It was a, it was a whole different era, wasn't it? We've kind of changed. Where do you see? When did you? Th where do you think the change became prevalent? When did that start happening? Well, you still have a couple of holdouts. You know, police in New Zealand don't carry firearms. They lock them in a box inside their patrol car, and and uh, when they get called out to parties where a bunch of people are drunk, a lot of times the uh, cops end up getting their butt kicked. And then in France, you got a bunch of police that don't carry firearms and. Uh, that's probably going to see an amendment of protocol pretty soon because of what just happened at the uh, Charlie Hebdo magazine office. And um, I can't say that I know when the change took place because I really didn't wake up until 1988 when the IRS made me angry. I wouldn't be doing any of the <laughs> stuff I'm doing now had that not been uh, – it, it was a catalyst um, – the further I dug into the tax code, the more lies I found. So They create uh, quite a few of us, don't they, David? They, cre they create a few people that wake up to all this mess, don't they? Well, no, I don't think they create us. They simply wake us up. We, you're either a fighter before you meet them or you're not a fighter before you meet them. And uh, they tasked me, and I took them to task, and now I'm... I prevent indictments with the 1994 treatise that I wrote regarding the differences between the tax code and the IRS. And there's some little differences between the IRS and the law. And then there's some huge differences between the IRS and the law. And when you confront them with these, a lot of times uh, they turn off the criminal investigation that the IRS conducts or they shut down the grand jury. And I'm the only well, one that can claim... Just who I'm the is only the one. I'm the only one that can claim to be able to do that, um, and I, I know what 
everybody out there teaches, and nobody teaches an offense. I'm not part of the movement. Uh, the only time I have for the movement is to lambaste the movement when I deal with their victims and uh, try to keep them out of prison or try to lessen the blow. And the IRS, according to 26 CFR 601.106, it's a bureau under the uh, Department of Treasury. So. And so what's their job? What is their job? Their job is to properly enforce the Internal Revenue Code under the direction of the Secretary of the Treasury. You find that in Tax Code Section 7801 and 7805. Why do we have the IRS? What 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 possible role could we actually find the IRS providing? I mean, we got along without it until it was formed. When when was it formed? Uh, it was uh, established in a public law from Congress, I think it was 1862. It said the uh, Office of the uh, Commissioner of Internal Revenue is hereby established in the Bureau of Internal Revenue. And it's a, uh, a collection arm for the international bankers that own our government. And yeah. uh, public servants have a country. We don't have a country. And so that they could steal part of our GDP every year to the tune of now probably one and a half trillion dollars a year, uh, they needed a collection agent to go out and take it from us. And that's what the IRS, that's the role that the IRS uh, fills. How were we supposed, weren't we supposed to be doing, a, wasn't the state responsible for collecting and then submitting it to the Fed? Federal government. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I just compare the tax code to the IRS and try to keep people out of trouble. There's a million things to understand, when in fact there's only a few things to know that really lead to the remedy. I'm about remedy. I don't study history, and there's a little bit of history that you'll come across in all these studies, uh, all this research I've done. However. Uh, I feel the important things you need to know are the things that keep the government away from you. No. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, there, there's a million things you could know, and you could spend your life studying stuff that's going to get you nowhere. And instead, uh, I would like to get somewhere, and so I've narrowed it down to a few choice arguments that prove uh, they really shouldn't even be speaking to a citizen of the United States about the re the Internal Revenue Code or the Motor Vehicle Code. Okay. Well, why don't you go ahead and explain that to us? Just take us uh, where start, we need to go. We're starting at square one here. Okay. Um, anybody listening, get a piece of paper in front of you, a blank piece of paper, turn it sideways so it's long from left to right. And I start where all other arguments have lost. When all other arguments are lost, you'll be forced to argue the law, and that's where I start. I start by saying, okay, I'm a citizen of the United States. Okay, let's talk about the tax code. And if I owe a tax under the tax code, I'll pay it. And they hate that. Okay. Because what that does is you crawled right into the box in which they have to argue. They have to argue statute. And on that piece of paper in front of you, you draw a line down the center. So you got two equal halves. Mm -hmm. And then draw a, lot, 
draw a line down the center of each of those columns. So you have four equal columns, and there okay. are uh, there are four chapters in the tax code that impose taxes that relate to the individual citizen of the United States who has sold his labor or made capital gains. Say that one more uh, time. There are four chapters in the tax code that okay. relate that they relate that they impose upon or that they operate under in relation to the citizen of the United States who has only sold their labor for a living or made capital gains. Okay. And those chapters, the one the one that we're not going to write down is chapter 24 because it doesn't even impose a tax. It just imposes the W-4 form. So on the far right-hand side, at the top of the column, write chapter 23. Okay. One column to the left, write down chapter 21 at the top. Okay. And one column to the left, write down chapter 2 at the top of the column. Okay. And in the far left column, chapter 1. So we've got uh, these four chapters, huh? Okay. Yeah. Now, Chapter 23 is FUTA, Federal Unemployment Tax Act. Federal Unemployment Tax Act? Yes. <laughs> okay. Chapter All right. 21, chapter 21 is FICA, Social oh, Security okay. Employee, Federal Insurance Contributions Act. And that's what they call the payroll tax. That's the tax that was cut in half when George Bush implemented his tax cuts. Okay. And then you got Chapter 2, Social Security, Self-Employed. Okay. And Chapter 1, Income Taxes. Now, okay. uh, Chapter 23, Federal Un Unemployment Tax Act, that's a tax on employers. And so uh, all we need to know is that I'm not the citizen in that chapter. 3306J says, uh, for the purposes of this chapter, an individual who is not, uh, who is a citizen or resident of the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, Guam, American Samoa, Virgin Islands, but not otherwise a citizen of the United States. That expressly excludes me because I'm a citizen of the United States. Okay. Okay, no, so I'm not that. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to narrow it down here. So I'm not that chapter. Then okay. chapter 21. Mm. Chapter 21, you got the same definition of citizen in 3121E. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I wrote down the other number. 3121E. Okay. Right. So it's still 21. an issue then. Same, is it, that the same one as the 3306? It doesn't exempt me. It excludes me. It's never okay, applied so, to me. So it's, it's kind the of same, the same thing as the other one, huh? It's identical. Oh, okay. And then you go to Chapter 2, and you have Section 1402B, as in boy. 1402B. It identifies okay. the same citizen. It excludes me, but it does so. Uh, good night, guest six but it does so in a different manner. It says, for the purposes of this chapter, an individual who is not a citizen of the United States, 
but who is a citizen or resident of the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, Guam, American Samoa, or the Virgin Islands, shall not be considered to be a non-resident alien individual. Well, if he's not a non-resident alien individual, he's a citizen, isn't he? There you go. Okay. So, in other words, for the purposes of this chapter, this is the citizen. He is not the non-resident alien. Now, what I've just done is I've given you the foundation for an argument against the three Social Security chapters. Self-employed, oh, Chapter 2. Employee, Chapter 21. And Federal Unemployment Tax Act, Chapter 23. Those are derived from the Social Security Act of 1935, and I'm going to make the argument that's not my citizenship. And I don't stop with just those three statutes because there's a whole bunch of evidence against Social Security having ever applied to Americans. For instance, uh, I'm making the claim that Chapters 2 and 21 only apply to the possessions. I have tax code section... Mm -hmm. I have tax code section 7655 that says for taxes imposed in the possessions, see chapters 2 and 21. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. The statute that says so. But then I have uh, Title 42, section 411B2, which is the definition of citizen from the Social Security Act where they uh, dispense the benefits. Instead of imposing the taxes like in the tax code, they dispense the benefits in Title 42, and 411B2 has the same definition of citizen as in 1402B in Chapter 2 of the tax code. So everywhere I go, I find this definition of citizen that excludes me. You also have <laughs> Section two, Section 211 of the original Social Security Act of 1935, that has the same definition of citizen as in 1402B. Sounds like it's all over the place. That's right. But here's the linchpin. When uh, you read tax code section uh, 7651, parentheses 4, parentheses capital A, in my work, which was done before 2007, it was 7651 parentheses 5 parentheses capital A. It's been amended, but not the language of it. And that statute says any reference in section 28A of the Revised Organic Act of the Virgin Islands to any tax specified by section 3811 of the Internal Revenue Code shall be deemed to refer to chapters 2 and 21. So I just learned from that statute that if I'm in the Virgin Islands and I see Section 28A of their their Revised Organic Act and it refers to a tax imposed by Section 3811, it really means Chapters 2 and 21. Chapters 2 and 21 are the ones that I was researching when I went through the tax code and found this 76515A. And so I went to Section 3811 of the Internal Revenue Code. It doesn't exist. But then it hit me that the Virgin Islands have been a possession of the United yeah. States a lot longer than the 1954 rewrite of the tax code is old. And so I went back to the 1939 tax code, Section 3811, Collection of Taxes in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. A, Puerto Rico, B, Virgin Islands. 
1954, when they rewrote the tax code, they split Section 3811 up into Chapters 2 and 21. So what I've, what I've just proven is that there's a, a ton of statutory evidence that Social Security has never applied to Americans. Now, my website is in the chat, wevgov.com, wevgov.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the federal income taxation page, this is the first argument I cover. And you'll see the text of all these statutes right there. You'll even see a photograph of Section 3811 of the 1939 tax code. So now, is any of just, these definitions you've covered, are any of them related to Chapter 1? Hang on. They're not? Okay. I, I, was, I was covering this first so that we're left strictly with Chapter 1 to address. Oh, okay. What, what I've just proven is that I know I'm not those chapters, that's all. That's the first thing I wanted to prove, is to prove what's not me. And so they can't talk to me about that. Now we've narrowed down the argument, haven't we? We're left just with Chapter 1. And so I go to Chapter 1, to the statutory definition of citizen, and I looked, and I looked, I looked in the table of contents, I looked in the index, I went mm. through Chapter 1 page by page, and there is no statutory definition of citizen. When they wrote regulations for Section 1 of the tax code in Chapter 1, which is where we have the tax brackets for the married individual filing jointly, separately, head of household, surviving spouse, single individual, trust, and capital gains, nowhere in that statute does it mention anybody's citizenship. But under the statute, they wrote regulations that says, who owes this tax? Citizens of the United States. Who's that? Any person born or nationalized in the United States and subject to its jurisdiction. Wherever they live, yep, wherever they reside, they owe this tax. And the 16th Amendment says Congress can lay and collect this tax. It has to be a statute. And so I make the challenge that I'm not Social Security. I'm left adjusted with Chapter 1, and I'm only named in a regulation. So you can't talk to me about the tax code because you can't impose a tax with a regulation. They made me liable by writing that regulation. So this, this is a regulation within the code and no act was passed to define who you were. Is that what you're saying? It's a regulation to implement Section 1 of the tax code. There is no statute that defines citizen that implicates me. They wrote a regulation uh -huh. under Section 1 to broaden the scope of the tax code to include citizens of the United States. But in order for Chapter 1 to apply, they have then to explicitly define who it applies to, right? In, in a statute. The 16th yeah, Amendment okay. says Congress can lay and collect these taxes. It has to be a statute, and it's not. It's a regulation <laughs> that the executive branch wrote. Well, that seems like it's brought it down to pretty simple facts here. Uh, then the second argument... Okay. It just seems like right here on this face, you should be able to walk in, give the evidence, and walk out. Why do they not pay attention to these? Do they pay attention to this? The, you think about it. The money cabal is huge. It's international. It's bankers. And do you think they would take all the time of corrupting the executive branch and then not corrupt the judiciary as well? 
So you're saying that it's corruption not recognizing the facts here of uh, Section 1402B and 3121E and 3306J or or the non-statute of anything defining Chapter 1 citizen. So they just say absolutely nothing about it in these codes about us being in their jurisdiction but they uh, but when you go to court because of what you say corruption they just like you say steamroll us how long well, is this even, going to continue hang on, hang on even when they're collecting the taxes okay they ignore those mm-hmm. definitions of citizen that say this is not you and they rely on chapter 1 for that regulation uh, through that regulation to get chapter 1 taxes as well and so it's all racketeering and extortion. But then the judiciary is corrupt. We don't have one judge in America, municipal, state, or fed, that won't uphold the status quo. Even when you prove that they're stealing, the judges will rubber stamp it, period. I've been in court and been in court. They won't, they won't deny these arguments, and you can't win. And so the best you can do is prevent an indictment. Because in the event of a criminal investigation, you can prove to them that they don't want you in front of a jury talking about these issues. Well, that's the last thing you want you in front of usually, isn't it, is a jury? Right. And so they'll always get your money because there's no jury involved. But as far as getting your liberty, there is remedy to – there's there's an available route – to dissuading the government from bringing charges by being somebody so they don't want to talk think, to. I, I just think I heard something here. Uh, so you're saying they're always going to get your money, but they're not always going to throw you in jail. Is that what you just said? So yes. they can still rape, pillage, and plunder your bank account, which in essence... Twice. Uh, when they do that, <laughs> basically you're anything but, you know, well, that could put you in the street. Is what it could be. So, you know, right. uh, there's other there's do. other kinds of uh, of incarceration, and one of them could be in the street. Well, I concentrate on the one where I can actually have an impact, and so okay. I don't do civil. I don't work on liens and levies. I don't work on getting employers to stop withholding. I focus on criminal proceedings or being able to avert or lessen the likelihood of criminal proceedings. <clears throat> So how does a person, let's kind of back up here then before we get into that, how does a person keep their money flowing if they're always robbing it and no employers that I know of are paying cash? They want to check through a bank, and the minute it hits, it's gone. So in essence, you're unemployable, or you can't work. I I don't work on that front. Okay. There are others that uh, practice asset protection in the box by setting up an LLC, uh, developing their their entrepreneurialism and self-employment in a business of their own. And uh, none of this is legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. So that having been said, there are some people that uh, run their self-employment on a cash-only basis, and they they might not have a great big shop full of equipment that can be seized, and they keep their accounts receivables at a minimum, 
so they might be able to avoid the tax man, but they're doing it in a way that the tax man deems to be criminal. And so I simply don't work in that vein. I work on trying so to really prevent indictment. So really what you're saying is, what you're saying is, you know, okay, so what? You go to jail. You can stay out of jail. This does not make us free. Correct. And what it, what does, okay, all I'm, all I'm trying to do is to prove mm-hmm. that you have remedy. And we haven't gotten to the last step yet. Okay. And the, the last step comes after this next argument that I framed under tax code section 83A. First, I prove the tax code doesn't apply to me except for this regulation, and you've always been stealing Social Security from mm-hmm. me. Okay. But even if I were subject to the tax code and I sell my labor, you deprive me of tax code section 83A to impose Chapter 1 tax on my compensation or Social Security on my compensation, because Social Security is an income tax. And the courts say Section 83 applies to all compensation for services. That would include self-employment earnings in Chapter 2. That would include FICA wages and tips in Chapter 21. And so you always deprive me of Section 83 when you collected Social Security or and Chapter 1 tax on my compensation and its extortion or racketeering. How did Section Mm. 83 operate in your conclusion, I owe a tax? You go to the federal income tax page of wevgov.com and you see an explanation of this argument. You can't deny that the IRS and the circuit courts and tax courts say that Section 83 explains how to tax all compensation. No one in the country even teaches it except me. I wrote a book about it in 1994. I added 30 pages to it last March and published it. And it's, on, it's for sale on the website, Codebreaker, the Section 83 Equation. The reason it's called Codebreaker is because it reveals the dynamic of the tax code that you can't teach unless you know about Section 83, and that is you got a Chapter 1 provision, Section 83A, that applies to wages and compensation in other chapters of the tax code. That is... That that's a paradigm shift in understanding of the tax code when you know that there's Chapter 1 provisions that apply in other chapters. No one has done the research to go this far in their understanding. Uh, again, I know what everybody else out there is teaching, and I'm the only one teaching Section 83. I wrote the book on it 21 years ago. So none of this can we, is new. Uh, can all... we answer the, uh, the the hag-nagging questions that some of these, at this point, some of these people might have? Uh, well, just a second. I know some we of had... them are talking. Well, I wanted so to ask we... this question first. We had your question. Definition of, I... the, de- the definition of a dollar is not included in any of this stuff? I mean, do you cover it anywhere? No, we're way off the mark. Off your mark, or it's yeah, we're way uh, way off topic. We're as far off topic as we can get. I wanted to get to the question that you asked prior to this. Okay. None of this keeps us in keeps us out of any trouble. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was that's the second argument. These two arguments in tandem are the two that when they're presented to a grand jury and to the Department of Justice, who operates the grand jury. They close down the proceedings they have in the past. More than uh, criminal investigations by the IRS and grand jury proceedings in more than a dozen instances have been shut down 
And so no indictment was handed down. First things first, that was the remedy. But third, Mm -hmm. it may sound like this won't help anybody, but as you look at wevgov.com, there's a citizen's arrest page. Go to the citizen's arrest page and you see that everybody has the right to arrest a felon. And if the government's engaged in racketeering and extortion and conspiracy against rights through their misenforcement of the tax code, and this includes state income tax authorities, if they open their mouth to you, how have they not proven that they're in a conspiracy against your rights, which is a federal felony, 18 U.S.C. 241, 10 years in prison, equals equals, okay, here comes the remedy to answer your question, equals the right to arrest them. If they open their mouth to you about the Internal Revenue Code, they've committed a felony. If they opened their mouth yesterday to somebody else, they've committed a felony and you can arrest them, according to the case law. And I'm not saying go out there and arrest them. I'm saying start a letter campaign and ask them, do you have any reasons why I can't arrest you when you can't deny you're engaged in racketeering and extortion against me. So I'm moving slowly in this direction to build a wall of law between me and the government. Yes, mm-hmm. it's confrontational. It's, it's not mm-hmm. for everybody, but there are people who are uh, born to protest wrong. And there are others that were born to put their tail between their legs and run away and cut the check, even if they don't owe it. And uh, I'm the first, and I'm not the uh, the latter. So uh, if you were to protest, my suggestion, and this is not legal advice, is that you protest this way. On wevgov.com, on the state income tax page, or I'm sorry, on the docket page, click on the docket, click through to the California docket, And you'll see a criminal complaint that was served December 9th on the governor of California saying you've deprived me and everybody else in California of the provisions of Section 17081, 17201, and 18031 of the California Code, which adopt by reference very specific portions of the Internal Revenue Code that include Section 83. And so 83 is state law in California and you're stealing my money, and the next step we're taking, since they can't deny it, uh, is to send a letter to every sheriff in California saying, which one of these three choices? You're either going to prove that we're wrong with the criminal complaint that's attached to this letter, or you're going to arrest these people and seek criminal charges against them and protect us from them, or number three, tell us where anybody that performs a citizen's arrest on the Franchise Tax Board employees where they should bring them to you when they're arrested. Which one is it? And uh, that's going to go to all 52 sheriffs in California. Mm-hmm. And, and how effective uh, do you think it'll be? What's it going to? I mean, I'm just asking, what, where do you, how do you feel? What kind of groundwork are we laying here, and, and what are you hoping the results will be? You can't predict corruption. And so all I can tell you is what I hope would happen, but I don't imagine that it's going to happen with just a letter to every sheriff. And so after Mm -hmm. this, a petition in U.S. District Court for declaratory judgment uh, to get federal court to say it's legal to arrest a felon, 
that it's not a threat uh, of unlawful violence, and so they can't persecute you for telling them that if you're a felon, I'm going to arrest you. And beyond hey, that, that, that's in, that's a good point. You know, that's that that you said something really important there. What if what if as you're doing that, you begin to educate these sheriffs that are more sympathetic toward? Well, you know, there's the Constitutional Sheriff's Association. They might actually sit down and listen. Not that there anything in that organization is approaching this, but if you could get them to endorse the understanding that we're coming to here with this ability to arrest, wouldn't a sheriff then be able to back you up and keep you from being in any kind of trouble? If you sure, could get them to they understand, can, they can pretty much uh, ride my wake. They don't have a choice. All the case law, it's all right there mm -hmm. on com. All the case law says, I can already arrest a felon. I don't need their support. I don't need their affirmation. They're, they'd have to run a million miles just to catch up to me. And so, Well, they can uh, catch your six is what I'm saying. You know, uh, you might be in, in this involved, and then the next thing you know, you have a bunch of feds behind you with a bunch of uh, shotguns and sniper rifles. So it's kind of nice to have somebody on your six and that's what i'm asking sure sure and that's why i'm not yes, moving quickly i'm not moving quickly forward and so uh -huh. i'm not i'm not really in that vein the next thing is uh to start an initiative in california a referendum for the vote that clarifies how the law reads and takes in statute clearly for California state law and articulates how the value of labor shall never be considered gross income. It's never been considered gross income. They've been misenforcing the law. And from here on out, no income tax shall be imposed on the value of labor for uh, compensation for services actually performed. And that cuts the size of government. When you cut the budget, you cut the size of government. So all of this approach is leading toward that and when a referendum goes on, uh, uh, when a signature drive goes into form or into full swing in California, it's going to get the attention of all the other states that impose an income tax. So if you go to the state income tax page of wevgov.com, you'll see several states where I've taken state statutes that obviously make the federal standard for gross income state law. And then you understand the federal the federal calculation of gross income has to include Section 83, and it protects from being included in gross income the value of your labor. You understand that you could do this referendum in every state. That's where you start. Okay. You kill the revenue stream. You don't so go out every and arrest state people, but you similar, kill the revenue stream. And every, every state then would be similar in that way. Almost so every. Some, some states have written their own tax code, but most of them piggyback on the federal tax code. So it's directed mostly at stopping the revenue stream, but not so much armed confrontation and citizens' arrest. It's simply to prove to them 317 million gun owners can arrest you now, and they can arrest you yesterday, and they can arrest you tomorrow. This is over. This racketeering scheme is at an end. And so I guess really a good idea would be is if there are groups like you may be indicating you're wanting to get started, groups all over the, each state's anyway, would be kind of handy to educate your sheriff while you're in this process. I mean, not just sending it to those people you were saying, but 
if you included the sheriffs, at least they're notified of what your intentions is and what the law is behind it, and it's identified everything. Right, and on the website, uh, eventually, probably within the next 30 days, I'm going to have a media pack on the website Uh that tells the media, here's what you're allowed to say about us. If you say anything different than us, if you call us sovereign citizen, if uh, you say we're tax protesters or anything like that, you're obviously mm-hmm. engaged in a conspiracy against our rights to defend ourselves against extortion, and we can arrest your station manager and your CEO. So here's what you're allowed to say about us. You better not deviate from it, or you'll probably get arrested. <laughs> and the sheriffs, there's so much on WeVGov.com, everything they need to know. And uh, plus on the menu column on WeVGov.com, you'll see YouTube and YouTube too. Click on those and take Mm -hmm. all the seminars there and you'll see me go right through these tax challenges, talk about a citizen's oversight committee where uh, evidence can be presented to the committee. Everybody on the committee ponders the evidence and then writes if they agree. They write a sworn opinion that a felony has been committed so the person that has complained now has the opinion of other people that a felony has been committed and they have that as backup if there's any controversy in the future when they say, I should arrest you. Okay. So I guess it would be pretty important. Uh, okay, let's say you arrest somebody. Where, where do you put them? I mean, doesn't, isn't that who you hand it over to as a sheriff? Put him in the jail? Well, if, if they're a public servant, you try every measure to keep from having to arrest them. Uh, for instance, well, isn't, in a tra- isn't the ultimate threat is exactly what they have guns to enforce what they're doing? And doesn't the right. threat of arrest need to be a- actually happening if you're trying to give them every chance in the book? Sure. Uh, and, they're going to get to the point where they're going to say, hey, boys, you're just a bunch of paper tigers. You're not going to put anybody in jail. Right. And once the once the paperwork that has been served on them and the certificate of service gets put on the web with their picture and a notice to everybody in the country that sees that website that this person is subject to citizen's arrest for the conduct outlined in these documents. There. Now now you tell their spouse that their picture is on the web and your spouse is engaged in criminal misconduct on their job and they can be arrested and that means at home. And so do you like being married to somebody that can be arrested by 317 million gun owners? So you do everything you can to keep from having to arrest them while you breathe fire on their bosses and ask, put their bosses right in the same place. Do we have to arrest you? Can you deny that you're a felon? The proof has to take the shape of Uh, an interpretation of Section 83 that's valid and that you considered it when you taxed the value of my labor or that you have proof I'm named in something more than a regulation. They don't. I've been up against them and up against them with these arguments. They can't refute a thing about them. So, uh, and as I stated, hang on, just a second. We are law enforcement people and we are actually the ones enforcing the law. 
then if they have broken the law, we need to arrest them and not put them on the Internet and their face up and say like a paper tiger, we're going to arrest you, you're going to arrest. They either need to be arrested or we walk away. That's my feeling here. If they are lawbreakers, uh-huh. they're lawbreakers. That's so my feeling, too. With that. That's my feeling, too. Mm-hmm. But you can't operate on feelings. You have to take into consideration just what you mentioned a moment ago. They have the guns. And so you have to have numbers behind you and numbers behind a movement okay, toward... So, so that's what you're doing with the, okay. with the Internet posting and everything is getting the numbers okay. Of course. And then you come to a point where just as in the movie Frankenstein or Young Frankenstein, you got a bunch of people with pitchforks at the sheriff's okay. door. There you go. Okay. And then and then he's voted out of office because of the publicity and obvious he won't protect you from obvious extortion and it rolls downhill from there, from the people down onto the servants the way it should and then you're making progress. You put the sheriff in the middle of it in a point in an argument about simple statutory mm-hmm. construction that they can't refute and now you've got an offense so now you're talking about an offensive uh posturing uh a exposure of of what you have information about and that here's what we've got on here's the goods we've got on our public servants and and trying to get that out to as many people as possible now what are they going to be expecting? What are the people going to expect after they're exposed? What's the next step? Like I said, yeah. a declaratory judgment in U.S. District Court for a federal declaratory judgment that citizen's arrest okay. is legal and that it doesn't constitute a threat of unlawful violence. So they can't oh, you're ask for jail okay. you. For, okay. And okay, after that, after that, an initiative about this, and they will have their hands so full they can't really even mess with you. And so all the, so all the you're, time you're after that. You're going to have the courts back up that, okay? So you've and, already and so, been to court about the arrest issue, and so by the time you are maybe possibly going to do that, uh, too bad, too late, we've got a ruling, it's declared in a de- declaration that I can do this, and so that kind of makes... Okay, I got. I see where you're going. Okay, go ahead. And so beyond that, scratch, scratch here. Go ahead. Uh, all the time beyond that, the um, they're going to have their hands so full. Everyone will be able to speak freely about citizens' arrest, and that's when you put the emphasis on the initiative, saying. Why should it come to arresting all these people? We can't rely on the sheriff. They have the guns. They threaten us. They've been stealing from us for decades. We need a citizens', in, a citizens initiative so the people in this state can vote to take the value of labor out of the column of profit and put it in the category of cost so it will not be taxed as income anymore. What if you got a gutsy sheriff, though? Say you may have one of those really, you know, constitutional-based guys sees that this is illegal, you know, if he sees that, isn't he obligated at that point not to go out and start some kind of exposure process, but just to go arrest them? Isn't he going to be wanting to, if he knows something finally is criminal act, 
Uh, how would we help uh, those people? I mean, you know, if the sheriff says, well, are we going to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, sheriff, we don't have step two or three yet, or what would when happen? That sheriff, when that sheriff comes along, I'll talk to him, but till then, I'm doing my own thing. I'm, I, I can't slow down for people. It's just the law. They they should put in the time that it takes to learn it, and it's not my burden. What they do and don't know is their job. So uh, I'm not going to do their job for them. And if they want to know how to comply with the law, I'll give them my interpretation. They can take it to the experts and see if my interpretation is valid. The IRS can't even go on record with an interpretation of Section 83 of their own when it explains whether or not they even have a case when they indict somebody. What am I supposed to think? So uh, the sheriff can look at that. He can call the Franchise Tax Board of California, or he can call the IRS and say, what's your interpretation of this? They'll go, we don't even train on it. (laughs) Well, now who's right and who's wrong? Get your gun, Sheriff, and go out there and stand between me and the government. I want the money that I earned when I sold my labor. He'd be a busy sheriff if he came to these conclusions, in my opinion. I don't think he'd even have manpower himself. I mean, he'd be in in his county. I'm sure there's somebody's bank account getting seized, and he'd have to be going into banks saying, if you seize it, I'll arrest you. You know, I mean, this guy would be busy as a bee. This is This is... Probably one of the reasons why sheriffs aren't going to be jumping at it, but I certainly think it would be good to throw them in the pot to educate, you know, along with the regular groups you were talking about. So go ahead. I'm just Uh, trying to see. I'm fortunate enough to be in one of those counties where our sheriff said, you have a right to the Second Amendment and your right to bear arms, and I'm going to die protecting you. And he got voted in. So uh, you know, there are that's some. That's great. Hang on. You have this whole organization out there called Oath Keepers. I'm waiting. I'm waiting sure, for them sure. to keep that oath. What does it take? That's true. You have the president, the president saying all the illegal aliens are legal now. You got the president going. Uh, we're going to screw you out of the health care money. We're going to build this health care bill right into the Social Security Act. Half of the health care bill is an amendment to the Social Security Act. How does he know that he's stealing by doing this? Because in the first week this president was in office, in 2009, he got a copy of my criminal complaint I filed with 80 members of Congress January 1st of 06. He knows all about it. And the health care bill, half of it is an amendment to the Social Security Act, and one-sixth of it is an amendment to the Internal Revenue Code, Chapter 1. He did knows he's stealing with all of it. Did, did they no, respond? Never got a, I never got a punctuation mark back in response to any of this. That's kind of how they do it, isn't it? That's American. And it's about the federal government stealing Mm -hmm. from 317 million gun owners. They got this idea way back when, and they said, we're bankers. Why don't we put together a scheme to steal from gun owners? How (laughs) smart is that, okay? All they know is stealing money, and hopefully someday they'll pay the price. But it's up to the Americans, and they've chosen ignorance. Oh, look, it's Beyonce. I got to go. So let me, ask you, let me ask you this question. You're going to be educating a lot of people, exposing a lot of people to all this stuff on your website and the training there. 
I I think it would behoove, and I'm talking to the audience out there. There might be some of you out there that might just take upon yourselves the ability to go to the Oath Keepers group. Well, that's not the same as the sheriff's group, but you know what I'm talking about, guys. Those sheriffs and the and the ones that are the constitutional guys, not the Oath Keeper ones, the other ones. There's that Oath Keeper group, and then there's the other ones with the sheriffs. And, and they're the ones, some of them have even been fired and incarcerated for supporting the values of that organization as they fight because they didn't have enough people backing them. Maybe some yep. of these people out there, David can actually rally a little group of uh, people together with the information that you've got and plan some kind of approach to all these sheriffs to make them at least aware. And if you, what if you just get them to respond, thank you for at least respond back, thank you for you know, your information. Now they have an, an excuse, it seems like to me. Now they're aware. You, if you ever had to deal with them and they're not necessarily all that friendly with you. You could say, look, I already gave you this information. You can, sure, you can't, the, group, the group in California is doing exactly this. I've got a nucleus of about a dozen folks down there, and really? uh, they're putting together the service on 52 sheriffs now that we filed the criminal complaint with the governor, and that's exactly what I want to do in other states. And when you watch the videos on Citizens Oversight Commission mm-hmm. on my YouTube channel, you'll hear a description of what I'm shooting for, how to operate a panel, and ultimately what I don't want to do, which is citizens' grand jury. These are not indictments. These are not true bills. They are simply affidavits from people who have looked at the evidence and feel that felonies have been committed. That's free speech. And, uh, and then you serve the authorities with it with proof that you can arrest them. And you start there. So, the so you're laying the groundwork for the proof that we have to arrest these these uh, criminals, and we're not talking misdemeanors. <laughs> right. We're talking uh, literally at, at what I I want to say treason. I mean, you know what the uh, you know what you get for treason supposed to anyway. Well, it's such and, a lofty term; nobody can really wrap their hands around it. But a pattern of extortion, that's racketeering, patently. And they conspire to do Rico. it. That's a conspiracy okay. against rights. These are felonies. That's all we need to know to have all mm-hmm. the dominion over their person that we need to convince them. What were you thinking? You just committed a <laughs> felony against me. What were you thinking? Everybody in the country can arrest you now. Does your wife and kids know you act like this on the job? Keep your pen in your well, pants, servant <laughs> breath. <laughs> You know, why I think this could be good, let me explain why I think it could be good. I have seen, since the late 70s, I don't know when you got started, but I've seen paperwork from all kinds of patriot groups. Some have worked for a while. Some never worked. You have Joe Bannister doing his thing, and, you know, many people that are no more notable and known doing things, but it didn't work for the next guy. You know, it just didn't work. And what I think this nation is right at the brink of is actually an armed conflict. I really do. And really, I think what you're doing here sets forth the high, noble ground in the law for that right to arrest. Because, folks, when you arrest somebody and they fight you back, Guess what you can do? Any like necessary long. force. There you go. 
any necessary force. And uh, that's right, exactly. And they'll they'll be the first ones to tell you you got to follow the law. Well, here's the law, and when you've done enough research, you come to these conclusions. You see remedies right there in statute. They're breaking the law to get your money. It's mm-hmm. not my fault. And since I don't, don't know how you feel about some of these other approaches, but uh, none of them have really brought it down to the people's right to That's say, right. you're going to the Hooskow boy, and I've got my six on my side here. And if you don't go, there's going to be some enforcement you're probably not wanting to see. Right. There's profoundly little remedy in all of it. And uh, it comes down to this because you can't rely on the courts. They're half of the racketeering scheme. You can't rely on the sheriffs. They're paid to be ignorant. You can't rely on the cop on the street. They're worse. And so you have no one to rely on. Oh, this is – you get me all worked up here. (laughs) I think, think, David, this is – this is a very – look, I've been hauled in three times. The last time they didn't even send the auditor in. They sent CID in. Finally, when they you know, gave me the procto exam and all the hauled in under the light with a stack full of papers inside a folder that looked like to me didn't even have any writing on it, trying to intimidate me, finally they let me out. And then six months later they said, well, you haven't broken any laws, but we're going to keep your, our eye on you. Of course they're going to. They keep their eye on everybody, you know. Hey, we're at the top of the hour, David. We usually take a little bit of a break so everybody can freshen up. Actually, and, John, um, I have a lecture to give in one hour at a local library. And oh, you so, do? Uh, I'm going to have to scoot off to that meeting. Okay, do you want to do another 10 minutes or so and we can break a little late and you can go, or do you want to leave now or what? Uh, I've really got to get moving. I got a little okay. bit of prep to do, but if you want me on again, I'm in. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to have David back, folks. Uh, now I, on, on the call, on the call, uh-huh. you have my promoter. My promoter is Chappie, Chris Chapman, and uh, he knows what I do. He went to a grand jury in January 2007 with my IRS briefing, and never heard back from him. So he's one of the people that went right into the mouth of the beast and came out with the beast's teeth. He pulled their teeth. Oh, really? Well, uh, maybe after we take this break, folks, and uh, uh, would Chappie be willing to come on? You think uh, he'd, uh, we could chat with him a little bit? Oh, he'd love to talk to you. He also practices um, legal uh, structuring of your affairs, like with LLCs and LLPs, to okay. uh, diminish your tax burdens. So uh, there's a lot of stuff you can get out of him. And, and and where I was going with David earlier, folks, is you know I've I've seen the the I've seen the argument with the definition of the dollar. It failed. I mean, what what do you do? I mean, if they don't want to recognize it, what do you do? The pot the bottom line, folks, is they broke the law. They need to go to the Hooskow, Period. And and it looks like to me this approach. Uh, is like maybe the last gasp, David. Yeah. Now you know I, I mean? didn't say that. I didn't say that everything the Patriot Movement does is wrong. But no, there's no. so so little remedy in anything because the courts are corrupt. Now, if you went to five nine six one five here on Talkshoe, five nine six one five in my archive, scroll down and you'll find a show called Argue Gold and Silver Like So. Listen to that episode. That's how I argue gold and silver 
to bring in the right to make a citizen's arrest to prove that if they accept okay. Federal Reserve notes from you or demand it, they're committing felonies. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> oh, really? yeah. uh, that rings the bell. It triggers your right to arrest them. So, hey, John, oh. uh, thanks very much for this opportunity. And, of course, I'm good for another appearance anytime you want it. And and uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you so much. I really appreciate you here. I just, it was almost like, I'm not new at this, David, but this was a big chunk of meat. This was a lot. And uh, I, I felt like, I almost felt overwhelmed, even for me. And I'm not saying I'm anything. I'm just saying I'm not new at it and, and this whole approach. Sure. And I think the problem that I've got is I've become cynical with failures of approaches that we've sure. had in the past. You know what I mean? Yep. And so none, of this have... is, none of this is about me. None of this no. is about me. No. I, I'm teaching the system. This is about big picture. It's about how brilliant our founding fathers were. Our system is a Ferrari when it works. When you get justice American yeah. style, it'll bring a tear to your eye. David, so much of your time's been spent at that. We're going to give you uh, some more time. I'll call you. We'll schedule it. We'll get you back on. We'll we'll do some more stuff. Don't forget to kind of give us some kind of idea, like we've got this uh, group you've talked about. We'd like to uh, talk some more about that. Okay, Folks, and this Chris, was, Chap- this is overwhelming. Chris Chapman, Go ahead. one more thing. Chris Chapman will give you a coupon code to enter on the – the shopping cart page if you order materials from the website so that you can get a discount. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. David, thank you so much for coming. And uh, we'll get thank you back you, scheduled. You, you bet. Folks, Anytime, thanks, buddy. Uh, thanks for uh, listening. We're going to come back after this break. I see Chappie right there in the group. And uh, I'll open up his line and uh, we'll put him on. We'll just have a nice conversation about this uh, this topic. Um, I have been jaded. I have had friends go to the Huskow. I've had to testify in grand juries. The line was drawn with me being on the outside of the Huskow and my friends inside. They even tried hauling me in just because I knew the people they threw in jail. They didn't get the job done. Folks, when you engage with the beast, this is exactly the threat they try to throw at you. Chappie, I, I think you're there and you can hear us. Hang on. In the meantime, guys, I'll put on some music and uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman, and uh, today is the 11th of February. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion here with uh, some very interesting guests that we just had in the first hour. Chappie is going to continue in this uh, second hour. And uh, let's get him on here. Chappie, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Hi, Chappie. It's so nice of you to come on after uh, we had David on. How are you today? Well, I'm fine. And it seems <laughs> like you're doing quite well. Well, we're trying to. Uh, you know, this is... Uh, how many scars have we all got? Some of us have more than others, of course, and we often have these jaded ideas of any kind of approach not working. And, uh, Chappie, you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there that I know just recently, uh, boy, it's been ruthless for them, just absolutely ruthless. You know, I'm just miffed that we have laws that seem to me on the face, not having investigated them completely, but partially. Some of these laws are just, they're illegal on the face, seems like to me. But tell us a little bit about yourself there. And uh, uh, he was talking about what you did. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll we'll get started. Okay. Uh, right off, let me, let me just say that I can probably talk to tops, tops, quarter of, because I have my own show at seven o'clock. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But the um, but I'm a I'm a retired swimming pool contractor in Florida. Oh, I was okay. in, I was introduced uh, to we'll say the movement uh, in 1988 when a friend of mine I was sitting at his house and looking at a book he had on the tabletop there and it was from the Pilot Connection and. And his, and, oh, uh, I know about them. I know yeah. about them. Go ahead. Yeah. And he, yeah. And he says, he says, uh, I'm an alien to that nation. And I said, Yeah, you're an alien, all right. And I said. Uh, <laughs> so he went on to explain how he, you know, he doesn't, he's not, uh, uh, you know, to pay the taxes and all this and all that. And I was a ticket-paying, you know, a tax-paying type guy. You know, I mean, I had several. Uh, employees under me. I had a, a major growing business, and um, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't really uh, convinced that this you know my friend who who I respect highly is very very intelligent, and uh, in fact I use him to bounce you know business ideas off. Uh, we we did a lot of business together, but this one I just didn't hear too. I just um, so. I went on my way, and then wasn't long after a guy gave me a tape that I was listening to uh, 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 an old speaker had died now. I can't think of his name, but he was a, a really good pre- did really good presentations, and he was doing it on the Federal Reserve and the IRS and and how things had happened, and I literally sat on the side of the highway. Uh, with tears running down my eyes because he said it in such a phenomenal way that it took my heart and mm-hmm. and and I'm a type of person uh I can't live a lie. I mean, you know, 
Um, you know, do I live a lie sometimes? Of course, we all do. But but when it comes to the foundation of this country and what this country was meant to be uh, on and what I was going to, you know, and I have an upcoming growing children then, and, and you know, and what I'm going to leave to them, it, it hit me hard enough that it just changed my whole life. And so I went around and I joined the Save a Patriots group. I joined... Uh, uh, Eddie Kane and, you know, and all these uh, groups all around the country. And I went around the country handshaking and, rub, and rubbing bellies with people, getting to know them. And, and you know, and, I, and I've been around the field and back, going uh, all over the place trying to find the, the remedy. And, and I went to, uh, fortunately, my office was right near a law library, a college, where it had all the law books all the way back to square one. And we used to go there several times a week, and we'd have a list because, uh, say, the Patriots would write a letter for me. And so I would take that letter or take what I was learning from them go to the law library and start reading and trying to understand. And anybody, and I only have a seventh grade education, so it was more difficult for me to grasp a lot of the words and definitions and how they were using them. But then it it became easier because when you read law, you go to the definitions first. And 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 look at how they're defining the word because a cat can mean a cow and a cow can mean a, a bull. So you had to you know you had to redefine all a lot of the words you know like United States for instance three definitions. So and then I used to run down to the um, IRS office. Now this is before I quit filing. And used to ask the IRS a lot of questions. You know, how does the law apply to me when, you know, what facts am am I to rely on that Title 26 is applicable to me? And all these (laughs) questions. And they they would never answer. I mean, they would, you know, they just said, well, you got a right to the, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So in 93, I was convinced enough not to file anymore. In addition Mm -hmm. to that, I set myself up in asset protection. I had everything I owned. I exchanged for the certificates, and I owned nothing, but yet I controlled everything. Sure, then in, sure. And then in 1996, they came to audit my company, or the company, and they wanted to audit Chapman Pools Incorporation. Well, I kept a corporation incorporated because... I didn't want the my um, the my c- competitors to say, well, he went out of business, no. he started something, blah blah blah. So I paid the yearly corporation going, and it looked like corporation because the trust went from it went from Chapman Pools and Corporation to Chapman Pools and Water Features, and so so with that being said, they came in with a subpoena to summons the records and, and do an audit on Chapman Pools Incorporation. So when they saw <laughs> there was nothing in the books, they came back and said, what, do you, what tricks are you playing? And I said, no, I'm the, I'm the manager for Chapman Pools and Water Features. The summons says Chapman Pools Incorporation, and that's what you got. 
And they said, well, we, we, we want to look at those books and records. I said, well, your summons doesn't say that. But hold on. Let me see if I can help you. And so I called the trustee. I told him the situation. He said, well, we'll let him do it. I said, okay. So they went and did it. And they, um, they came back at the end of the week and saying, look, we find everything, you know, uh, uh, fine in good order. In fact, you, you keep good books and records. I said, well, thank you. And they said, uh, they said, but we don't see where you ever filed the 1040. Now, you know, what has that got to do with, with a company, you know, me and a 1040 and the company? But I didn't say anything. I just looked at them, and I said, other than that, is there anything else you need to discuss? And they said, no, that's it. And I said, well, thank you very much. And and I showed them the door. I never did bother to answer their question because it wasn't relevant to why they were there. So then they started doing uh, books and, you know, summons for books and records and all that. And I would, I would always show up. I would always have a court reporter. I would have everything transcribed and then sent to them. And basically, it was no more than three or four pages. I just, you know, when they said, I said, well, you know, how how is Title 26 applicable to me? How is the law, you know, showing that I'm, I'm subject and liable to the tax? And they said, well, right here. And they show me pamphlets and they would show me everything. And I said, I said, I'd be glad to show you the books and records, but it's just a matter of jurisdiction here. I don't think it applies to me. So, and I said, I'd be glad to help you if you're willing to work with me. So they threw me out. And <laughs> so then, so fast forwarding now, in 2004, 4-ish, 2005, I no longer own the company. I sold it. I'm a consultant now to uh, two or three pool companies and a screen, couple screen companies and a solar company. And so I've educated all of them saying, look, you know, I'm not, you know, your, your typical taxpayer. I said, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do because it's all a chess game. And if you know the chess games and you know the rules and you know the players and all the players are going to move accordingly to what you want them to move, you're going to be in good shape. So they, you know, everybody agreed. They they were all nervous, but they all agreed. And so when they asked me for my social security number, I said, I, I don't have one. I ain't giving you one, if, even if I did have it. And uh, so I'm not signing any W-9. They said, okay. I said, however, sign this affidavit that you did ask me and send it to the IRS. That will save you a $50 fine, which is now a $75 fine. And so, oh, great. So they sent that in. So they can see that I wasn't hiding, you know, then, or, or anything like this. Mm-hmm. I was being right up front. So then, so then they wanted to come and levy the money. And I said, offer, you know, we'll offer that you, you'll give them all the money that I earn. Not a problem. But you need a whole harmless letter or a judicial court order verifying that they have the right to steal my money. And, and of course, they gave that offer to the IRS. Hey, we'll be glad to give you the money. We, we don't want any problems, you know, but we need a whole harmless letter because he's going to sue us because you don't have a judicial authority. And so they never, they never responded, and I kept getting paid. 
so then, so then I started getting criminally investigated. I get a knock on my door one morning, and uh, I a CID agent's there announcing themselves, and I, I said, well, I just got out of the shower. How about you coming back about 15 minutes later? They said, great. I said, I'll be waiting for you. So they came back, and I, I went downstairs because I wasn't going to let them into my house. I don't I don't allow dogs or criminals into my house. So we met outside in the parking lot. I live in Florida. I live the big con, condominium blocking all the wind. They wear black, and of course I I just got out of the shower and I got my ice water and tape recorder. And so they said, "Can we go sit in the shade?" And I said, "No, right here is fine." And um, so they uh, they said, well, you can't tape this. And I said, oh, well, then we, we, we have nothing to discuss. You bring your witness. This is my witness right here. I brought my own. And they, and they went in the car and they went back. They came back about 10 minutes later because they said they had to go get batteries. But I know that they called their, <laughs> I know they called their superior and said, what are we to do? So then they came back and they said, okay, you know, my name is so-and-so and and I'm here with Chris Chapman and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they said, uh, uh, would you mind answering a few questions? I said, I don't have a problem at all. First of all, I need to know, do you have your delegation of authority to even speak to me here in Florida? They said, what? I said, do you have your delegation of authority? Now, that's all I said. Now, the delegation of authority could be, you know, the congressional authority. It could be something handwritten from the king or or the president <laughs> or something. You know, I just want to see something, how they come about to come and even speak to me. And then I can see if that was had any validity or not. But they never offered me anything. So then... I said, well, we really don't have anything to discuss. And they said, well, we we you know went through your record and we see that uh, they gave you everything you you know we've given you everything you need. And I said, well, I must have missed that. If you'll make copies of it and send it to me, I'd be most appreciated. And let me look at it because I want to settle this. I, I if I owe you a tax, I definitely want to pay it. So they sent me. It took them about 60 days, but they sent me everything they sent me. Never anything that I sent them, just what they sent me. So I sent it back, and I said, this is, uh, you know, I've already received all of this. Thank you. There, There is no uh, facts or evidence that, that provides the, you know, the answers that I'm looking for. Thank you very much. And then, um, and I even hand, I mean, I personally went to Orlando and dropped it back off to them. So then, um, so then in 2006, uh, I, I met Dave Maryland. Now I'm in, in the meantime, I'm getting a little nervous. I mean, you know, even though that I'm a scrapper and I have confidence, you know, we, we start questioning our motives. What are we doing? How are we going to do do this? Are we doing this right? Should we do this or should we do do that? Should I do 1099 OIDs or should I, you know, and many people mm-hmm. I see, I, many people I see go so many different directions, you know, and, and they just, if they did one thing, they they erased it by doing another. And then when they do do that, they just, you know, and, and when, 
And when the people in question look back and look at everything that these people are doing, they say, hey, we got a lunatic here. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so when I met Dave, I fell in love with his posture. His posture was perfect. It wasn't so much of what he knew, because I didn't know what he knew then. But when I met him, I got his posture because if you cannot prove what I can prove that you cannot prove, then I can prove you're a criminal. It's that simple. And I live by those principles every day. If an say, that IRS, say that again, Chappie. If, if you're the agent, you're Agent Waterman, okay? Agent Waterman, I can prove, I mean, if you, I can prove what you can't prove. And I and since I can prove that you're the criminal. Nah, okay. Okay. And so with that being said, they you know, they kept after me and all this and so forth. And then I met Dave and Dave was, you know, had his posture about, you know, they're criminals, we're the we're we're abiding by the law, but here is the law that they're ignoring. And boom, boom, boom. The three main things that I got was was a, a section a Title Four, Section seventy two, fourteen oh two B and thirty one twenty one E and thirty three oh six J as he explained in the first hour. And then mm-hmm. and then the um um section 83 but you know i met him in around april i joined the complaint in may and then i got summons to go before a grand jury in december so i didn't get a whole lot of time to read and study and understand section 83 and a lot of people that when you read it, you're, you're not going to get it right right away. And I don't know how in the heck in the world that Dave saw what he saw in 83. I'm still baffled today. And I've been with Dave now for six, seven, eight years, eight years. And I'm still baffled on how he saw Section 83. But like like what God does, it makes it, you know, he... He's the deliverer of of Section 83 as far as I'm concerned. Because like he says, there ain't nobody on the planet that teaches it but like he does. And I got a cough. I'll be right back. Okay, no problem. You know, it's interesting that we've seen, and it sounds like Chappie and I have a lot in common. I mean, if he goes back to the Pilot Connection, I I was uh, very familiar with the Pilot Connection group. Uh, they came down hard, extremely hard on the Pilot Connection. Yeah. You, you you know, one of the things you don't do, apparently, is, well, if you're successful and you teach somebody else, you get in trouble just for teaching. But, yep. but go ahead. Go ahead. So the... Uh... So uh, when when I got the knock on the on the door, it was uh, close to being Christmas because don't you know that's when they like to bother you during the holiday. Mm. And so when um, when uh, I, he hands me the summons and tells me that I'm being summoned to the grand jury, I said, "Really? Are you kidding me? I get to go in front of a grand jury?" And I smiled and I was, you know. I wasn't thinking, but I get to hear now, 
talk about to a grand jury of everything that I've, I've been learning. And I said, this is great. And and he said, well, you know, you can, hey, wait a minute, you can come to our office and do the exemplars. And for those who do not know what exemplars are, they're examples of handwritings and voice and all that. So, um, and I I want to cut through a lot of this because the time out element tonight. But I went okay. through the um, so I went to the grand jury. Then um, then they wanted me to do the exemplar. The DOJ wanted me to do the exemplars. And I said, well, there's some questions you've got to answer to the grand jury. And the grand jury was looking at the DOJ like, give us the answers, almighty one. And um, so the, the DOJ sent me home. He lied to the judge and said, I refuse to do the exemplars. He brought me back in front of the judge. I said, no, judge, I didn't refuse to do the exemplars. Can I have Agent Solar on the question, on the witness stand? He said, sure. So I brought the IRS agent on there and made him look like a fool, but I did make him admit that he didn't have any delegation of authority. So the judge said to me, he said, uh, Mr. Chapman, many, many times, many people such as, and she named two people that she wanted me to know that she knew them. And she wanted me to know that she knows that she wanted me to know that she knew them. And so when she mentioned their name and said, you know, they went to prison and everything, that was a part of an intimidation. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I calmly looked at her and I said, I said, Judge, I find it interesting. On two different occasions, I sent you a copy of a criminal complaint that I sent to Congress, and and you got it twice, and you seem to ignore that, but come complicit to the criminal act activities of those behind me. And it was like I threw ice water on her. Now, she turned around, looked at her computer, and said, well, you can handle that in January. Well, wait a minute. And Dave brought this out on the call the other night, and I never thought about it. She said, I can, I can handle this in June. Well, wait a minute. The grand jury hasn't even indicted me yet. You already got me in trial in June. <laughs> you know, so, you know, this is, this is how they operate. But the thing of it is, whatever I present to the grand jury, there it has to be shown to the petty jury in trial, see? So they couldn't allow me to give what I gave to the grand jury and not be able to show it in jury, to a, a regular jury. And for, and for them to indict me for Wilford failure to file, they're going to have to prove that I, I, I was... Uh, that I did not believe that I had a good faith reliance that I'm not a taxpayer. And that would have been impossible for them to prove seeing the criminal complaint. This is why I think it's advantageous for every everybody to join this complaint, not only because it makes a noise in Congress and to the congressmen, and but you make copies and send it to the judge, to the franchise tax boards or the state taxing collection agencies or whatever. Let them know that we the people are, are sick and tired of being robbed from, from being stolen from, and enough is enough and we're not going to take it anymore. Okay, this is our money. This is our country. You get the heck out. 
So with that, all that being said, I never, I haven't heard from them since then regarding <laughs> that case. Okay, and you so, know they don't like a ruling against them. They just kind of like vanish and disappear, don't they? They just kind of fade into the woodwork, and you're waiting for some kind of resolution to the case. They don't want to give it because they're cornered. That's Isn't right. it interesting that the bad guys happen to be the ones actually holding the court, mm-hmm. actually doing? They're the bad guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we've got to find a remedy, you know. The remedy, of course, and uh, I really feel like uh, we're at the brink, uh, Chappie. Um, really, we are. And you know, even if people go in the streets with guns. Ooh, some of them don't even know where we're going. They don't even know, well, if you don't like this, what do you like? What is it you yeah. want? I know. And, yeah. was, and that's the thing, John. People are so ignorant. But get this. If this is my strategy now, I you know, I, I resolve more issues in my sleep than I do when I'm awake. <laughs> and And this is my question from people. Well, not my question. My 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 uh, my remedy, if you will. People ask me all the time. Well, how do you make out a ten forty? Well, you can't make out a ten forty because the ten forty is already on the presumption that you make gross income, and so and there's no provisions for section eighty three because section eighty three. And, you know, and I mean, I could be uh, Joe Federal. I could have federal stamped on my forehead and and on my butt and be every bit of a federal citizen that everybody wants to deny and, and run away from. Well, and of course, I understand that and I agree with it. Every A lot of people want to argue the all caps name, the gold fringe flag and all this. Of course, mm-hmm. and I agree with it. But that's not the argument. The argument is, you're claiming that I owe a tax, and I submit that I will pay the tax if I'm allowed to use Section 83, because section you're going straight to Section 61, which talks about gross income, but Section 83 gives me my remedy to exclude, not exempt, but to exclude my compensation for services mm-hmm. and from gross income where I don't have a gross income and if I don't make over four hundred dollars of gross income I'm not there's no requirement to file a return. Now okay. a lot of people's now a lot of people's questions are well how do you get your employer? How do you get you know, how do, what do you do with the W two and so forth? There are some answers I don't have the I don't there's some questions I don't have the answers yet. However, if we all start writing letters to the accountants, right now is a perfect time. It's tax season. Hey, I want you to do my tax returns, Mr. Accountant, and I need your insurance policy. I need the the number to your uh, uh, insurance po- policy, and do you have an error and omissions? Because here are some questions that I'm sure you're either going to misapply the answers or or misrepresent the answers, or you're just not going to answer them. And that is, 
am I am I the one named in section you know 1402b 1321 uh, uh, 3121e uh, and how does section eight how do you determine section a 83 in in my um, compensation for services and and give them the case law. It's right on Dave's web, website, wevgov.com. It's right there for everybody to understand and read. We And there's some materials like the books, the uh, Code Breaker, the Section 83 Equation. It's my third Bible, which the complaint is my my second Bible. Okay? And, and, and everybody needs to have this information if they want to understand what to do. We get rid of all the fat. We don't need to talk about the all-caps name. We don't need to talk about a federal citizen. We don't need to talk about uh, money, if it's legal or lawful and all that. We don't need to talk about that because you're only asking me for one thing, to pay a tax. Period. You're not talking today, are you paying money with FRNs or gold? They're not asking that. And and they're certainly not going to say, well, Mr. Chapman, you owe a tax because your name is in all caps, and we have that Sesequi Trust already stamped and ready to go. Who cares? You know, you you know, you could say though that there is a good argument, and I like some of these arguments, like the fact that they don't define what a dollar is in the IRS code. If they could, I guess you could pull up that code against them and say, well. You've defined it as an FRN. I guess I'm using them. But uh, a dollar isn't defined by that. You know. So, you know, it's interesting where we have to go in order to fight them. I think what you're saying is the laws they have that they're supposed to recognize is a better way of fighting them than using law that is actually superior to them. I mean, this is code. The Constitution's above that. Mm-hmm. Code, you know, in fact, in my opinion, as a person in the world, I mean, as just as a citizen in, in America, just an American, it's unfortunate that we have to actually learn all this baloney. I call it baloney. Because I should be able to just go from day to day. But somehow or other, we've been fooled, duped, uh, uh, coerced, whatever you want to call it, through fraud into thinking that we have to pay. And now we have to play with their rules that don't even apply to us. And you know what? That takes some effort. Unfortunately, not everybody has the acumen, Chappie, to do it. So does your group help each other? Uh, figure out these answers. I mean, you know, not everybody has the intelligence to navigate through a hearing, through a through a, a grand jury, or you know, I mean, it's not like you're going to find an attorney helping you through this. It's not like you said, you're not. I mean, if you could find an accountant that will fight with you on this issue, man, you've got gold. I mean, <laughs> you've got somebody that can navigate better maybe than you can. Unfortunately. The way we were supposed to live in this nation wasn't spending all of our time having to learn these stupid codes. It was, you know, 
making our uh, tack for horses. It was planting our gardens. It was making our rocking chairs. It was, you know, installing pools. It was being a doctor. You know, that's where we should be. And it's unfortunate, but I think, Chappie, the best way to answer this rhetorical question that I've heard so many times, well, we've got ourselves in quite a mess, Ollie. I guess we're just going to have to do this, right? No, no, that's the thing. If we start educating our accountants, see, and and I got two minutes. Okay. There's probably my reminder. Um, I, I, I have to call him back. Before okay. you go f- uh, much further, yeah. Chappie, how can people get a hold of you? How can well, do you mind if people do? No, not not at all. The um, but don't don't call me and expect to talk for an hour because if I talk to ten ten people like that, that's ten hours of my time. The mm-hmm. uh, uh, we can go to you, you can go to uh, WeVGov and my email is right there. But it's American Liberties, American Liberties, T I E S at at the end, American Liberties dot LLC at gmail dot com. Okay, and in the in the thing there, I um, I put in my asset protection link for american uh, for you know with my american liberties username and then also I'm putting another link to asset protection regarding key logging I also have uh I'm involved with anti key logging software because the government is key logging into people's computers to watch whatever they're doing so, um, you know, there's a, there's, I'm all about privacy and security. I'm all over the place. I'm all over talk shoes and everything. But I think our, uh, thank you, Guest 5, uh, dot LLC. But I think it'll still get there even without the dot. Um, the, um, but, uh, uh, yeah, and um, and you can reach me there, and my talk shoe is uh, eight uh, eight seven four eight eight, which I'll be on at seven o'clock, which I'm going to be talking about Social Security and attacking. Seven p.m. What what time? What uh, uh, Eastern Standard Time on talk shoe? Seven p. Eastern. Okay. Yeah. And you're and, talking about what? Uh, about accountants and uh, and Social Security. Okay. Yeah, because I just now filed for my Social Security after all these years. I'm 67, and um, and so uh, I did it to uh, test the waters because I practice what I preach. I'm not one of these people. Oh, do this and do that and not do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so if they if they want to attack my so- Social Security, I'm getting geared and. Uh, yeah. And like George Washington said, you know, it's best to build arms in peace. You know, so. Well, that's uh, true. (laughs) Chappie, I know there's a lot of people that could use a lot of help, maybe getting started in their uh, businesses, maybe uh, home businesses, and they need to maybe kick it up a notch. They're getting big enough. They'd like to maybe uh, learn more about how to manage uh, their status or how they can, you know, go about doing business and, Maybe some of these folks that can get a hold of you, can you maybe find some time to do that? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there could use that kind of help. Well, yeah, I mean, they can call for a short question period, and then we can line up something. We can, you know, I we, we have different calls on different sub, subjects. I have 
Monday night calls uh, where Michael Clark does the asset protection. Mm-hmm. We got uh, we got many calls about the anti key logging and IRS. I'm all about and uh, and you know it's mm-hmm. it's all educate educate and for everybody on this call. I do not promote not to pay your taxes. I do not promote to pay your taxes. I just promote get educated about taxes. That's all. I mean, it's simple and, as that. And, uh, of course, uh, what it means is not all taxes are for us to pay, right? That's right. Educate Chappie, and populate. Thanks, thanks so much. I'll let you go. Uh, you have a great show, and uh, maybe some of, some of us will show, show up. Are you on every day? No, not every day. Every Wednesday and Saturday at 3 o'clock, all Eastern Standard Time. Three, and and, three, and they can three, join my three, email three. list from from um, wevgov.com, so so they can okay. get uh, you know up to date and everything. Okay, Chappie, stay well. Thanks for coming on, filling in, and uh, at the last minute here. Sounds like uh, more uh, discussions needing to be done, and uh, uh, bless your effort. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Anytime. Thank you very much, and God bless America. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, folks. Whoa, man. Folks, you know, if we're going to take to the streets, if Americans are at this point, you know, we've got comments in some of these other chat rooms that we're just fed up with all of this junk. Well, the criminal activity, the extortion, the fraud, the stealing, we're, we've and and you know what happens is we need jerk react to get out there and we finally make a list you know it's just like uh veterans today said you know make your list we fed up with it uh, there's a lot of guys out there we're going to just make the list and do it okay well here's what you have to ask let's just say you go to the streets and shoot all these guys what's next let's say you're successful what do we do next <laughs> Have it, has anybody stopped to think about what's the next step? Well, I think what it is is learning where we should have been in the first place, what we shouldn't have had in the first place. I don't think there's a person out there listening that wouldn't mind saying, you know, why don't we just get rid of Homeland Security, get rid of the Fed, get rid of the IRS. But if we do, what are we going to do? Well, it's called tariffs. It's called tariffing. That's one of them. You know, one of the problems that we have is we can be manipulated. And I think some of this manipulation for a lot of us that are getting frustrated comes from the bad guys that may be appearing to be good. Uh, that's why I kind of uh, I go to veterans today not to read about what's really going on, but maybe what the counterintelligence operatives of the criminal elite are actually wanting us to think. You know, I mean, for crying out loud, Duff thinks Obama's okay, and he's in the. You can hear it when he talks. He's in the Republican-Democratic dialectic paradigm junk. It's junk. Well, anyway, folks, 
this is enlightening. We'll have them on more to find out exactly maybe what we can do. Because wouldn't it be cool if when you went to the street with your 308 and your 45, that you had the law and you said, I'm arresting you. And if he says, you're crazy, then you pull it out and say, well, here's the law that I can do it. And by the way, we've already talked to the sheriff. And by the way, we've put the uh, judge on notice. And we've got a declaratory declaratory, uh, judgment saying I can arrest you. And I can enforce it at whatever level it needs to be enforced, including this 45 on my hip. Now, are you going to come or not? See, that's where the vigilante in the streets revolutionary knee-jerk reaction is different and where many militias even miss it. They don't know how to proceed. We're in a fight, folks. It's a big one, isn't it? It's a big fight. Ugh. Anyway, let me put it to you this way. Some of you are going to be called to be involved in this. Some of you won't be. Only you know that answer. Friday, this Friday, we continue with the book of Revelation. Friday night, I will be on uh, The Truth Traveler on GCN, and I will be going over the latest WebBot report. And then next week, we'll have uh, David back on. We'll have Rusty on for the WebBot. And we'll have Eli on for the continuation of what's to come. All of these are very interesting topics. We'll continue and journey down this road. It's been a pleasure being with you folks. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, I'll talk to you later, but... uh, Be careful, whatever you do, be very careful that you, you know, do whatever you're going to do and do it, well, to make sure you don't do it uneducated is all I've got to say. I know about these people that he was talking about, for example, uh, the Pilot Connection. Oh, boy, was were they after those people. All right. Thanks for coming. Bye-bye. Yeah.